What's going on, guys, and welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, technician sports editor Camden Spate. And I am multimedia managing editor Jalen Harrington. Jalen with a little uh, promotion this yeah. year. Yeah, big time. <laughs> I know I know it's been a while since we've been in here. Yeah. I think the last podcast was before the men's and women's ACC tournaments, basketball, which was in March, which, you know, we all know how that ended up. And now we're finally back in the studio and it's October. So if you don't know why, then I think you've just been sleeping under a rock, so I'm not going to go over it. But it's 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 nice to be back and it's nice to see your beautiful face and your hoodie right back in in the studio uh, for football season. Well, same to you, man. It's nice to see your beautiful face, and it's nice to see the beard, of course, and the polo, man. That's your <laughs> iconic look. Iconic. I like it. Yeah. So, it's football season all of a sudden. If you're going uh, podcast by podcast, which I don't know who is, then I don't know. You, you're probably really lost right now. But it is October. NC State football is now 2-1 and one against Wake, Virginia Tech, and Pitt. The loss at Virginia Tech. We're going to go through those games very quickly and talk about the season as a whole. We'll start with Virginia Tech, the high-scoring game, 45-42 in NC State's favor. That was a pretty entertaining game to watch and kind of gave us the first glimpse of Tim Beck's offense. Yeah, they kicked off the season against Wake, and they kind of they really got the Demon Deacons out of their system with that game. You know, NC State has had a really hard time beating Wake Forest in the past, what, four years or so no you never want to play wake forest that's yeah, for sure yeah so the team kind of jumped out to quick lead uh quickly blew that lead create another lead blew that again and then still won the game which was i mean it was very exciting to watch but mostly it, it just it created a lot of goodwill with the offense you know last year the offense was anemic terrible pick whatever word you want to pick it was not good and this year, it's the strength of the uh, of the team, which is really nice to see. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that switch from, you know, difference in the last couple of years. It's always been the defense, the defensive line at least, and the offense has kind of followed that, but it hasn't necessarily been the, the side that's going to win us the game. And um, you look at Bailey Hockman's numbers. Bailey Hockman was the starter against Wake Forest. 191 yards passing, not a great outing. But the rushing game, to no one's surprise, the rushing game had 270 yards. Person had 99, Knight had 97, Houston had 54, even Hockman had 30 rushing yards. And that's what we expected coming into the year was the rushing game was was going to carry the team and at least make the offense more efficient and by leading the way. For sure. And, you know, the big... Uh you know, the top performer of that week was probably the offensive line. They really carved up uh, Wake's front. They created huge holes. They were getting into the second level. I mean, it was so many of those runs, like the running back wasn't getting touched for the first eight yards. It was insane to watch. And that kind of showed you what NC State's offense could be at its best, but maybe it wasn't uh, indicative of the rest of the season. You had uh, – the offensive line playing that it has played the past couple of weeks. And you also had Bailey Hockman getting away with a lot of mistakes that he would not get away with going forward. The Wake Forest starting quarterback, Hartman, threw for 236 yards. Not that impressive in that way. Was sacked six times, so the defensive line did get pressure there, including the very last drive of the game, and we'll kind of end the game with this here, 
Wake Forest had a chance to come down and take the lead again. It was still 45-42. NC State had that three-point lead. And Hartman was sacked by Vi Jones and then by Daniel Joseph. Back-to-back sacks on second and third down. Fourth and 21 was an incomplete pass. NC State wins the game. So the defense couldn't stop anything for basically the entire game. But when it counted at the end, got the sacks it needed to, got the win, 1-0. Clutch NC State performance. I mean, how many times do you get to say that? It seems like not a lot recently, <laughs> like just not a lot. So moving to the next week, what was supposed to be the home the opener at Virginia Tech. Jalen, we had the privilege of going up to Virginia Tech. Of course. At least you had the privilege of going into the stadium. I did not. I kind of hung out outside of it, you know, just waiting for you to get out, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it was not the same game that NC State played the first week. That is for sure. No, I think, you know, credit VT for some gamesmanship. Um, earlier in the week, Justin Fuente is talking about, I don't know if we can field a full roster. We're just going to have to see what happens. Then you get to game day and they're inactives, who they conveniently never actually released a full list. A bunch of players that don't matter. Third stringers, fourth stringers, whatever. Very few starters actually missing on the two deep. Except um, for the quarterback, of course. Yeah, but turns out they had two godly quarterbacks <laughs> Tur- just sitting on the bench. Turns right? out it didn't matter who started the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's rare to see Dave Doran, who's consummate. I mean, he's the consummate positive person, come out after the game and say, yep, we got embarrassed. We were just demolished, you know. He did not hold back, and anyone who was watching the game would agree. They got embarrassed. Uh, VT was more physical. They did whatever they wanted to do. The defense couldn't tackle a wet paper bag. It was not good at all. Um, And it kind of returned NC State back to earth after really what was a little too much happiness over a close win against a bad team at Wake. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. The The Virginia Tech game, I'm looking at the scoring summary here. It was 31-7 to with 42 seconds left in the half, in the first half. Mm-hmm. Luckily for NC State, Chris Dunn came out and made a 53-yard field goal to at least put it in do- double digits at 31-10. to But that entire first half was hard to watch, completely no. hard to watch. No, it was. And I'm trying to think which was hard to watch, the offense or the defense. The offense couldn't move the ball at all, but the defense gave up 17 points in the first quarter in like the first five minutes of the first quarter. Yeah, it was 17 um, to zero very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bailey Hockman, uh, I think, threw at least one interception in the first half, and they still kept him out there, which surprising decision there. Um, yeah, it was they weren't clicking on any level at all, and it was truly hard to watch. Yeah, you look at the offense. Bailey Hockman, seven for 16 for 82 yards. Late or middle of the third quarter, I believe it was, Devin Leary came in and finally showed why Doran and the coaching staff had originally marked him as the starter. 12 for 16, 165 yards and a touchdown. Made the performance look a little bit better and give a little bit of hope despite getting absolutely, absolutely smashed on every front of that game. You look at Virginia Tech's stats. I mean, they had, they had two quarterbacks play, uh, Braxton Burmeister, he started the game through 106 yards on 11 attempts. And then Quincy Patterson came in after he was he got hurt and basically did the same thing. I mean, Virginia Tech had 314 yards rushing, and that's not going to get it done no matter who you're playing. 
Yeah, it turns out uh, Peyton Wilson and Tanner Engel are really good. Yeah, and we needed we needed them. <laughs> yeah, when when they're hurt, uh, bad things are gonna happen to the defense. Yeah, so not a great game. Just overall, the only the only loss so far. So I'm not gonna say it's any trend or anything. Right. Um, but it was a ranked team. Virginia Tech was 20th at the time. I'm not sure if they moved up. I, sh- I assume they have moved up after two wins. I'm not sure where they are now. They are 19 now. 19. So that moves into the Pitt game, number 24 Pitt at the time. And the Pitt game was much better. The Pitt's a, a fairly decent team. We talked a lot about it before the game, about Pitt's defense. Pittsburgh had 17 sacks in the first three games going into N- NC State's game. Yeah, and, and one of those games was against Louisville, who was one of the better offenses in the ACC last year. Yeah. So for NC State to come out and not only, you know, be competitive against that team, but win the game is, is huge. Um, it was, I think the most striking thing, though, was the fact that NC State just allowed Pitt to be itself. Pitt had so many pass interference penalties, so many offsides penalties, so many free first downs given to NC State, and NC State rightfully took advantage. Um, Devin Leary looked phenomenal. He looked like he could actually run an ACC offense. He passed for four touchdowns. He led a clutch game-winning drive. First time that's happened in six years. First time in eight years against an actual ranked team. So it was, I mean, that's the NC State that, you know, Dave Dorn talks about. That's the the NC State that people think there will be in the future. That's definitely not what we expected. They came into the game a two-touchdown underdog, and they won on Mm -hmm. the road. Dave Dorn does not often win games he isn't supposed to win, but he did this time. I want to talk about the offense in this game because – I'm st- I still think it's true, but at the beginning of the season, it's through the running game. Everything's through the running game. And in this game, NC State didn't need the running game at all. I mean, Person had 14 attempts for 39 yards. Knight had 29 yards. The offense in total only had 62 yards rushing, but 336 receiving. And it's to me, it's kind of weird to see NC State win against a ranked team, a team that it should not have beat, without using the running game as the primary offensive, you know, prowess. Yeah, um, and it just shows you how important it is to be balanced in this league. Pitt has one of the best fronts in the ACC and probably in the country, so running the ball is a tall, tall order, even for a good offensive line. So it was nice for NC State to be good enough in the past game that it could go after Pitt's weakness, which was its secondary just by default. And the ability to pass is really important because, okay, even if you're not able to run the ball, they still respect person and night so much. They're going to keep on filling the box and making you throw. So for Devin Leary to prove to everyone, hey, I can throw if you make me. I can throw accurate back shoulder balls to Emeka Amezi. I can hit Carrie Angeline down the seams accurately every time. I can do that. It tells you that, NC State isn't one-dimensional. It doesn't have to be, we're going to start with the run, and once that softens them up, we're going to pass. If you give them the pass, they will pass, and they'll be able to. And even if the run game isn't going, Devin Leary is fine. If that NC State team can be the same going forward, now we're cooking with something. Right Now now it's looking, now it's looking like this is actually a good team 
that's going to go over 500 and, you know, maybe make some noise. What NC State is going to need to be able to cook is going to be Tanner Engel and Peyton Wilson. Yes. You saw how just important those two are to the defense. Engel had nine tackles. Wilson had eight tackles, both first and second on the team. Is it Was that really the the difference on the defensive side for this team? Yes. No, for sure. I mean, go back... Anyone who's listening right now, go back and watch the condensed game, which is on the ACC Network's uh, YouTube channel. And every single big play in the second half that's given up in the past game, look to see who's the safety on the field. It's going to be Devin Boykin and not Tanner Ingle. Because Tanner Ingle had to leave multiple times with injuries, looked like he was cramping, first a calf, then a hamstring, then his calf again. And when he went out of the game because of injuries to Rakeem Ashford and Colin Martin, they're having to run a freshman, a true freshman, out there at safety, and it's not pretty. So it's so important to have Tanner Ingle out there, and it's so important to have Peyton Wilson because he also makes some noise. You know, Peyton's a player where I've talked about in my articles. He's going to get penalties, and you kind of have to accept that because he's so good. He plays with, he plays with so much emotion. You just have to – that's the give and take. Um, between him and Tanner – NC State is not going to be able to win games if both of them are not on the field. It's just not going to be able to do it. There's too many injuries already in the secondary without adding in your best defensive player. In your takeaways piece this week, you were talking about the turnover margin. NC State was minus two going into Saturday. I think it's still minus two. No interceptions from Pitt. Pickett threw for 400-plus yards. A pretty impressive performance in terms of yards for him. Only one touchdown, but... How important will those that turnover margin be going forward? I mean, you're you're minus two, you're two and one. I mean, you have yeah. you you have two wins with a negative turnover margin, but had that one called back, that pick six called back last week. Just is that really gonna is that gonna be the difference? Does NC State need those turnovers to continue to beat good teams? For sure. I mean, uh, if Jakeen Harris's pick six stands, it's a what twenty four seven game and it's over. Yeah. In the first half. Definitely. The game is done. You know, uh, instead, they kick a field goal, 10-point swing there. It's a tight game again. Um, especially for an NC State defense that cannot cover to save its life. No. The, um, you, they can't stop anything through the air. Yeah. So, if you can't cover, you can't shut teams down conventionally, you have to get lucky. You have to force fumbles. You have to pick balls off. You have to. Um that's the only way NC State is going to be able to go up against, you know, you might be able to get away with it against uh, a Virginia or uh, who's the next bad team they play, a Duke. Duke. Um, but when you get up against Miami, a UNC, you need that luck to kind of go in your favor. And even if you're not turning the ball over on offense, you have to take the ball away from the opposing offense, limit their possessions, because otherwise they're going to score at will. Mm. The uh, receiving game, I thought really one of the better performances from the receivers group, maybe even going into last year, this group is is so talented and just knew that it would come through eventually. Carrie Angeline had those four catches for 60 yards and two touchdowns, finding the 6'7 guy in the red zone. 6'7. Been talking about that for years. I mean, shout out Andrew and Alec, like (laughs) since then, about how tall he is and how NC State should throw to him more. And then you look at Amezi at seven catches for 101 and two touchdowns as well. I think that 
with Devin Leary's arm talent and what we've seen so far from him, I think it's all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of eyes on this receiving group. Oh, for sure. I mean, it kind of it took a couple weeks. Sure this did. First, first week of the season, it wasn't looking great. Um, NC State was struggling to find kind of a star receiver, and I don't know what it was. Maybe Tim Beck was having to get a little more used to his offense. Maybe it was Bailey Hockman struggling. Could have been either one. Um, but what you're seeing now is Devin works really well with big receivers, whether it's Mezzi, Angeline, even Devin Carter. He loves big receivers probably because they have such a wide catch radius. You kind of just put it somewhere near them that isn't on the side of the defender, and you trust that they're going to go up and get it, and they do that. Shout out to George McDonald. He's a great position coach, and for the past, I don't know how many years, he's been getting those receivers right. So they will catch the ball, and now what you're seeing is there's so much confidence. Like, I don't think Devin Leary would have attempted the back shoulder throws he was attempting in the game last game. And even outside of and those he was guys, playing them a couple of honest. other receivers was that really, are going to really factor in. Uh, you briefly saw Anthony Smith in the game, a true freshman. He burnt his corner twice. The second time, Leary threw him the ball. Should have been a house call. Should have been. Should have been a house call. He drops yeah. the pass, and McDonald doesn't play him anymore, but – that kid is special. He's fast. Burners. He'll blow by everybody. They need burners. And with that guy, oh my goodness, this receiver core is scary. Looking to the future, Virginia this Saturday. You'll be up in Charlottesville. Should be a good time. I don't know about the game. It'll be a close game, I think. It, Virginia is favored by 9.5-10, depending on where you look. Virginia beat Duke 38-20 in the opener. And then lost to Clemson last week, 41-23. Didn't look necessarily bad against Clemson. How do you see this game going? I mean, you have Brennan Armstrong with Virginia, a dual-threat quarterback. I think NC State might struggle to keep him contained in the pocket. And he's definitely has the arm to throw for 300-plus. I don't know if he'll throw for four. But do you think that NC State is, is just as good of a, a winner in this game as any other? I think... Uh... This game is going to be a little more difficult for NC State because of just how disciplined Virginia is as a team. Uh, Virginia looks like a team that they're not going to beat themselves. Uh, they're not going to commit penalties. Brandon Armstrong isn't going to make terrible decisions, even though he does throw some picks. In both games, he's thrown two picks. Um, yeah. He seems pretty smart in terms of when to throw, when to tuck it and run, and he can run the ball. And Against NC State's front, they may struggle with that just in terms of discipline, in terms of am I going out to cover? Are my eyes in the backfield because I think it's going to be a run? Is something slipping past me? Um, Virginia does what looks to be a lot of RPO game of kind of faking the run. Am I going to bang the slant right behind you type thing? So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I would favor Virginia just because Bronco, Hen Bronco Mendenhall, he's a great coach, and I think – with great coaching, you can really get past losing a great player like Bryce Perkins. You look at the offense over the first two games, it might be one of the more balanced offenses I've seen. Yeah. I mean, Brennan Armstrong, I was looking at his stat lines earlier in the week. His stat lines from the Duke and the Virginia game, are, or the Clemson game, are almost identical. 24 for 45, 269, two touchdowns, two interceptions against Duke. 
And against Clemson, basically the same thing, 24 for 43, 270, three touchdowns, two interceptions. It's it's very consistent. The two interceptions, you know, not the greatest thing in the world in yeah. each game. But also the rushing game against Clemson, even 147 rushing yards and against Duke, 188. So the, just a super balanced offensive team. I'm not sure if that really favors NC State in that way because they're going to get burnt in the past, and we've seen that quite a bit. But it, it'll be an interesting game, I think, to really see how the defense prepares for this and if the offense is going to be able to score enough points to keep up. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to can NC State get them off track? First down, and they're running the ball. Can you stop them in the backfield and make it second and eleven? That's going to be huge. Mm. If NC State can overpower this offensive line and win that at the point of attack, then it gets a lot easier to deal with the pass game. And I think the way that they're so balanced, it is going to be beneficial for NC State because we saw it last week against Pitt. Pitt started to have success passing the ball, but they wanted to be balanced, so they would mix in the run there, except NC State's going to stop the run every single time. So <laughs> if Virginia's going to try and stay balanced – that's going to work to their detriment because while NC State's not going to be able to stop the pass, it can stop the run. And if it does that often enough, it'll be able to win. So let's just jump right into a prediction. What you got for this game, Jalen? Uh, you know, between not trusting NC State in the pass game defensively and between how much I respect their discipline and Virginia's defensive line, I'm going to go Virginia 31, NC State 27. I think they make it close late. I don't think it's going to be a 10-point spread worth. Uh, I think NC State's going to make it respectable, but I don't think they win this game. Also, I'm going to be there, so curse. The curse. curse. (laughs) Jalen doesn't win. NC State doesn't win when Jalen's there, that's for sure. Uh, I think I agree with you. I think it, uh, they'll score a little bit more than that. I think it'll be something like 35-30 or 35-32. I'll just go in that range. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a pretty close game. Also, don't think NC State wins the game. I think that the offense for Virginia is just going to be a little bit too much to keep up with. So I'll go with the same. Before we end it off, I'm going to go right back to our football predictions from the beginning of the year. I'll just do the record just to keep it short. Jalen, you had six and five record. I had four and seven. Uh, Tristan had six and five. Nicholas had five and six. Is that? Do you th- still think that six and five is about right? For sure. I mean, for me, I think NC State's ahead of schedule. I said they were going to win one of the first two games, and they did. Said they were going to lose to Pitt, but I thought they would beat Virginia. So they've already got one win tucked in the bag for me, and I think they do go six and five still. Yeah, I'd probably say that they're definitely had a schedule for me, I think, looking much better than I thought they were going to. So I want to say the Duke game's a win, Liberty game's a win. So I think they probably get to five. I'm not sure if they get to six, but I'll definitely say that four is probably too low in in where we're at right now. So it's been fun, man. I'm glad we're back in the studio. Hopefully we'll be able to do it more consistently and – Get maybe get Nicholas and or Tristan on it at some point for uh, basketball coming up. Basketball media day is, is this coming week. I don't know if you knew that. But I did not. Yeah, so that should be quite interesting. Season coming up pretty quickly. And um, 
And of course, NC State football still has a chance to go undefeated besides that one game and get to the college football playoff, I yeah, think. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's real nice when you get to avoid Clemson and Notre Dame. That is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting this how that works. set up for them to get to an ACC championship, so let's see. I could see it. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Clemson does have to go through Miami and Notre Dame, mm-hmm. so there is that. Tough year. All right, uh, I think that's all we got for you guys today. I appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, finally getting back on this First in Tech podcast grind. I've been your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. And I am Multimedia Managing Editor Jalen Harrington. like how that sounds. Yeah, man. (laughs) And we'll see you guys next week.